Welcome back to the Falcons Audible presented by AT&T, a bonus edition this week. The second time you get a chance to see us here, well, you get a second chance you get to see Dave Archer and DJ Shockley. <laughs> you don't get a chance to see me in the flesh this week because, well, guess what? It's been 2020. And so I am uh, without power at my house right now. Um, so I'm going to be doing this episode um, via the phone. And the other guys are going to be doing theirs the normal way. But we had some fun at my gym this morning. We were doing a little <laughs> dress-up deal. And so the picture that you're going to see of me, no, that's not what I normally look like. I was just having a little fun as an old man dressed up as a Georgia Bulldog fan and had the hunchback and talk about go dogs, beat them wildcats this weekend. Hey, um, so I thought hey, you hey, might appreciate that. Right. It don't matter. We got the best fans in the entire country. So I'm glad you're finally on board. Whether you want to have a hunchback or not, they always support, baby. So it's all good. <laughs> oh, goodness. Dave, how are you this morning, man? Doing good. It's always good after you win a, win a game. Uh, late night last night, got out of the stadium about uh, 1 o'clock last night. But uh, excited to be on here with you guys talking about a W. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about what we are going to discuss in this podcast. Uh, really quick here, we're going to talk about how about the defense stepping up. Defense has been kind of much maligned throughout the course of this year, but they had a great performance against the Panthers. We'll talk a little bit about that. How about a surprise player for 2020? We all know about the Julio Jones, the Matt Ryans, the Todd Gurley's of the world, but maybe there's another guy that's made a difference this year. We'll talk about that. How about the offensive performance last night? What do we make of it? There were some conditions. The offense has been kind of applauded for their performance all year, even though it's been a down season. But we'll talk a little bit more about the offense. And then how do we put last night into perspective for the rest of the season? What does this mean, mean, the win mean moving forward? And then finally, we'll have a little bit of fun because after you, met, after you win a game, you can have a little bit more fun, whether it's us talking here or it's on social media. Kudos to our social media department here for the Atlanta Falcons. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But, DJ, I want to start off with you. Instant reaction to the game last night. What do you think was the headline from last night's victory over the Panthers? It has to be the Falcons finish. And I say they finish in all three phases. I know uh, offensively at the end of the ball game when you needed to go down and put a score on the board, you go down and you physically, like similar to what they did to – us in our own building, you go down and the offensive line takes over the ball game. You run the football really well. You punch it in and get a touchdown, not a field goal. Then the defense bends and not breaks and gets the interception in the game. And then you got to give it to the special team as well. I know Young Way Koo missed an extra point, which made it a little bit more intriguing at the end of the ball game. But he also made four field goals that uh, really helped the Falcons. So really finishing this ball game in all three phases, I thought would be. Uh, the absolute headline going into after this ball game. Yeah, finish is something that is definitely needs to be at the top of every Falcons fan mind. Dave, yeah. you got anything else as far as a headline to last night's victory? I just liked uh, how aggressive Atlanta came out on offense. I thought that uh, this was a team in Carolina that uh, was going to try to stop Gurley in the run game. They were going to swell up against the run, and I thought it was tailor-made from a uh, play caller standpoint to play action early in the football game. And they did. You got Julio Jones involved. Julio did not play in this game in week five. He was a monster in the first half. In fact, in the first quarter, I think he had 85 receiving yards 
on four grabs and then got involved in the back half of the game as well and and re- really created that seed of doubt defensively. And I thought that was something that played out throughout the game. I thought that Carolina, it was a seed of doubt in their minds defensively the entire game because of the way Dirk Cutter called the game. Yeah, I think it's great that you brought that point up, Dave, about Julio Jones, because that was the thing that kind of stuck out to me early. I was like excited from not only an offensive standpoint, but a team game plan standpoint that they got the ball in the hands of Julio right away. It was like they're setting the tone that if you guys are going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us with our best players getting featured in this game. A couple of big catches, I believe both of them over 20 yards on the first drive for the Falcons. Um, so I like the fact that they got one of the stars involved right away, and it wasn't like he had to wait until the third quarter to get him some action. And if I would say the headline for the victory over the Panthers, I'd say all three phases because there's been a, a, a many a times this year where it's been a one or a two-phase game for the Atlanta Falcons, meaning offense, defense, and special teams. And even though the offense didn't dominate last night like they did in other games, even though the record didn't reflect that, I felt like uh, DJ already talked about, you had the field goals by Young Way Koo where Atlanta came up short in the red zone, but they were still able to put points on the board. Defense finally had somewhat of a statement game to kind of get the monkey off their back, if you will. And then the offense just continuing to drive down the field, Matt Ryan making some throws, even tucking the ball down and running it um, a few times. And it proved to be um, really important for them in a night where the rain was coming down and it just didn't have the conditions to really post up one of those four 450-yard offensive nights. So those are three quick uh, headlines, instant reactions from the game. But let's kind of dive into this defense a little bit more, Dave. I know you're a, you're an X and O guy. And without going into some, you know, big-time X's and O's, but the defense is what I mentioned has been much maligned. The first five or six weeks of the season, giving up over 32 points per game, but in the last three, just 21 points per game. Is there something that you've noticed that's been different over these last three weeks, Dave, that the Falcons sorely missed at the beginning of the season? Well, I think styles make fights to a certain extent, obviously, rack. So different weeks are going to present different issues, and how can you adjust to those issues? I think certainly situational awareness has been something the defense has lacked, and you could even say it lacked last Sunday when they didn't keep the ball in front of them in the Lion game and gave up some plays that led to a touchdown. But last night specifically, this was a team in Carolina that destroyed you with short passing and run after the catch. They had nine plays of 15 yards or more in week five and 178 yards, yak yards, yards after catch. Atlanta eliminated that last night. They took away those short, easy throws. They contested those throws. I think that's where they've grown the most is their willingness to play man coverage, play bump and run, bring pressure, because that's the only way they're going to get home. The four-man pass rush has not served them very well this year. They decided, I'm bringing linebackers, I'm bringing safeties, I'm even going to bring the slot defender, I'm going to bring a corner, whatever it takes, I'm going to bring more than you can block, and we're going to gamble that you can't find the open guy, or we're going to hug up and play tight man coverage. I thought they did both last night coupled with the pressure package. They needed to take away that young run after catch or yards after catch, and they did that last night. Yeah, it was great to see that pressure, as you mentioned, Dave, like forcing the quarterback to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Don't allow him to sit back there and kind of pick apart the defense, try to find the holes in that zone. DJ, what, was, what stuck out to you defensively that really put a stamp on the performance to help Atlanta get that victory? 
You know, Rick, I'll piggyback on what you guys both just mentioned and put some numbers behind it. Uh, when you look at this ball game opposed to the first ball game, they blitzed Teddy Bridgewater, pressured him 21% of the time in that first ball game. This second ball game, 40% of the time, they brought some kind of pressure, some kind of blitz, and they were able to get to him three times in this ball game, which was huge. So you can tell from one week to another, the game plan, the adjustments, they happen. And people always say, how – where does the adjustment happen? Do we change things up? Well, the numbers absolutely tell you that the Falcons went in with a different game plan this uh, particular week. And the one thing that I noticed is uh, Arch talked about the, the yards after catch. Well, there were no busts in this game. I thought there weren't any explosive plays where you just seen guys running scot-free through your secondary or just guys uh, running, you know, free in this game. And I, that's what I like to see. Tackling the space, not giving up the big plays. And last week we talked about each guy doing their 111. I thought on that defense, each guy played within the system for one. And then, hey, when you played zone coverage and they checked it down, which they want to do, you came up and tackled in space. So when you put all those things together, you have a pretty good defensive performance. And it looked like Teddy Bridgewater was under some kind of pressure throughout this ballgame. It was definitely uncomfortable in the pocket. And fellas, I'll add, I'll add yeah, one I, other, I'll add one other thing to that, guys. And you tell me if I'm wrong. This defense played with a nastiness. Now you don't like 15 yard penalties, and and coaches tell you that no player is worth 15 yards. But Deion Jones whacked the quarterback right along the sideline, got a 15 yard penalty for it. Charles Johnson or Charles uh, Harris, Harris gets thrown out of the game because of his hit. Now you don't condone those type of plays. But it affected the quarterback, unlike we've seen in recent years. Atlanta played with a nastiness on the defensive side of the ball right to the edge of the whistle and even past the whistle. And, again, you can't play that way every week. But I did think that it showed a little bit of teeth that you hadn't seen from your defense, a little bit of willing to growl and get after you. And, and, and that kind of trans, transmitted into the quarterback. And I thought the quarterback played some tentative football. Yeah, I agree, Dave, because and, – and I'll bring up another guy, and I guess he always plays with that tenacity, but Keanu Neal had a couple of big hits last night. One that sticks out to me was the play that was initially ruled a completion and a fumble, but he came up and just absolutely hammered the, the receiver on that play, and they ended up reviewing it and saying it was an incomplete pass. But, again, those are kind of like those statement hits. Like, if you're going to come score on us, you're going to have to work for it. And by the way, if you come across the middle, you might be met rudely by one of our defenders. And so that, I thought Keanu Neal played with that nastiness last night, which he does each and every week. And, you know, the other, the other play that kind of sticks out to me, guys, is remember that fake punt that Carolina ended up having, right? They let the, they let the delay of game happen. Atlanta switches to their punt return team, I believe. And then they run the fake punt. They get the first down. That's where they ended up having the personal foul, I believe. And as, if you're a Falcons fan, you're probably like, oh, gosh, here it goes again, like a chance for them <laughs> to take a lead. Yeah. But what happened, Dave, is that they buckled down and forced a field goal instead of giving up a touchdown. Yeah, it, it just it just showed a tenacity. And, and you can't get caught napping in that situation. That's a great point. I'd forgotten about that play. Uh, rack, but you did come out and swell up and get a stop and force a field goal. Also had a fourth down stop in Atlanta territory as well. So there are a number of plays you could point to on the defensive side of the football. Very positive, very positive signs for that group on that side of the ball. So we talked a little bit about like the team, the all three levels ended up contributing in that game, the defensive line, the linebackers and the secondary. 
And there's been weeks where, let's be frank, not only us, but I would imagine the general public has been criticizing certain players for maybe not getting their job done, not playing that 111th like DJ likes to talk about. But let's flip it around because it was a good performance and it did come after a victory. But let, let me put you guys on the spot, DJ. Give me a guy on the team or on defense, wherever you see, that's been one of the surprises of 2020. Not one of the mainstay names that we knew were going to be a big-time playmaker, but somebody that's maybe come out of the background a little bit that's become an integral part of this team. You know what? I, I've enjoyed watching this guy, and I, I thought he has been one of the guys that's matured for a very uh, last couple of years and been integral to what the Falcons have been, do have been doing. And I'm going to say Brian Hill. I mean, he has been a huge compliment to Todd Gurley when he comes into the ball game. And you watch every single game that he's played. He's flashed some way, somehow in a game, whether it's out the backfield or maybe it's, you know, some tough, hard physical runs. He has flashed and taken a lot of weight, I believe, off Todd Gurley's shoulders, being a guy that can compliment him. And each week we see him continue to progress. We know he came in here and didn't have a good start to his career but left, came back, and has really turned the page as one of the guys that the Falcons can depend on. And Brian Hill has been, I think, a big part of this season. I think a big surprise for me that he has turned into the, the type of role player he has become this season. Yeah, I, I like that pick, DJ. He ends up leading Atlanta and rushing last night with 55 yards. But what stuck out to me, Dave, and I don't know if you remember this play, is he had two catches in that game, but there was one, I believe it was in the fourth quarter, Matt Ryan was rolling out. There was a little bit of pressure. He dumps it off to Brian Hill, and it looks like he's going to be tackled three or four yards short of the first down. But what is it? It's that individual effort and that tenacity. He gets out of, I think, two tackles and picks yep. up a first down. That was on a third down, too. That was They were going to have to punt the ball back to Carolina. Keeps that drive going. When you talk about tenacity, a lot of times that's on defense, Dave, but I felt like Brian Hill showed some of that tenacity on offense, breaking a couple tackles to pick up that first down. Yeah, key moment in the game, guys, because that's at the end of the game where they had downed the football after a punt at the Falcon five-yard line. So I had commented on the radio broadcast, okay, the worst you can do here is you've got to get a couple of first downs to flip the field. And Brian Hill's play made that happen. He makes that catch. And as you said, Rack, he's, he's three, four yards short of the first down. He splits two defenders and gets the first down. And that's ultimately a drive. Atlanta eats up a ton of clock and moves the football out over midfield before punting it and downing on the Carolina five-yard line. It made it the long road to go for Teddy Bridgewater. So a huge moment, just one play in a drive that ended up being a huge drive and, and a, really a clock eater for the Falcons. And let me add a little uh, – uh, put, put a little button on the end of that rack. Uh, if you remember what happened after he catches that football and goes get the first down, the first guy who sprints to him is number two. He knew how important that was for him to pick up that first down. He runs over so quickly and daps him up like, man, that was a next level play for our ball club. It won't be talked about uh, in the end stat line or won't be talked about, you know, uh, on ESPN or whatever it is, but it was a huge play for him uh, to be able to go out and get that win. Well, guess what? It's going to be something that we'll talk about in Falcons right. Audible. That's, That's what right. I'm talking about. That's right. Hey, That's what I'm talking about, they, right? Dave, let me throw out one other name here because um, there's a guy that I feel like defensively kind of fits the bill of this topic, and it's Foye Aluakon. Would you, would you agree that he's one of these guys that's really stepped up and made a difference on the defense that's been kind of loaded with a lot of superstars? Yeah, coming into the game last night, fellas, guess who your leading tackler on the football team is? 
Foye Aluokan is your leading tackler. You think Deion Jones, you might even think Keanu Neal, but it's Foye Aluokan is your leading tackler. And he's been involved in some key moments. Now you think, okay, you're two and six. How many key moments could you have defensively? Well, let's just look at this last game. Now, Grady Jarrett is a big part of the fourth down stop, but Foye is a big part of it as well. And that fourth down play around the Falcon 40-yard line, which turned Carolina away and, and prevented them from get, gaining any kind of momentum on the offensive side of the ball. But if you found a guy that's played faster than Foye is the first eight games, I, I challenge you to do that. Uh, the one guy I would pick out, and I don't know if it's a surprise, is, is Keanu Neal, simply because Keanu's been forced to play more than I think they thought he was going to. DeMonte Casey's injury has forced Kiki to play more. And I think you like him on the field, but he's shown signs of being the guy we saw in 2016, 2017. that was a Pro Bowl safety. And you mentioned how much he's thumped. But uh, nobody takes a uh, – Foye takes a, a backseat to no one in how high a level he's played at and certainly would count as a surprise being a six-round pick back in 2018. And Rack, here's one thing I want yeah, to add no. to, to, to that particular point is uh, Arch does an interview after the ball game with Foyer uh, on 92.9 game and uh, on the postgame show. And he talks to Foyer about that particular fourth down. And when I heard him talk, the one thing that I realized is this guy's playing fast. This guy understands what he's seeing. He said, hey, I knew it was a lead play and I shot my shot. So he knew exactly. He didn't stutter. He didn't fall step. He saw it right away knew his film study, and went and attacked it, and he got rewarded for it. So that tells you that this guy understands what he's seeing in a ball game, and he shot out a cannon when he knows exactly what's coming. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you want is guys that are not playing with hesitation because, as we all know, hesitation is something that will get you beat at pretty much any level. Uh, so I think that's good that we got a chance to talk a little bit about the defense because most of our conversation about them throughout the course of the season has been in a negative uh, – limelight, if you will. Uh, so let's flip it over. Let's talk a little bit to the other side of the ball because I've talked a little bit about the conditions, maybe not conducive for them to put up a whole lot of offense, but I wanted to just get your guys' opinion. Dave, what did you think about the offense last night? Did not do great as far as third downs and as far as converting in the red zone, but they did enough to put enough points on the board. But what was kind of your takeaway on how the offensive performance last night? Well, the one thing I can tell you guys, and if anybody doubted this, uh, shame on you, but number two likes to compete. Uh, <laughs> there is no better competitor than Matt Ryan. And I thought that the two runs he makes that stick out, one is certainly the touchdown run where he finds a way to get in the right corner of the end zone as a defender slips and falls. And I'm not sure he would have turned down the opportunity to try to run through the corner to get in anyway. And then he makes a run where he actually has to push Brian Hill out of his way for a first down. It was a key run in the game, just his willingness to compete. And then probably most people that watch the game closely and listen closely, they were not able to turn the mics off in time, the parabolic mics on the sideline. And he's <laughs> chewing rear ends out on the field because he wants to win. He was, wants to win so badly. I think people get lost in how much money a guy makes and the fame of a guy you lose the fact of how big a competitor he is. And that, that was what really jumped off at me. Bad weather, bad elements. It's horrible as a quarterback to try to play in those conditions. Shock can tell you, trying to grip the football, make throws, be accurate with the ball. Um, but Matt just competed his rear end off last night. I thought that was the thing that really jumped off the page offensively to me. DJ, what about you, Farmer? When I look at this ball game, I mean, we talked about it being wet. We talked about, uh, you know, 
being tough sledding, the one thing that, that stuck out to me was the amount of explosive plays. Arch mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, starting the game off with three play-action passes, and all three of them went for first downs. This is an offense right now that leads the National Football League in explosive plays with 50. That's 16-plus yard or more pass plays. In this ball game, the Falcons had nine passes of at least 16-plus yards in this ball, in this ball game. That is a backbreaker for a defense to give up those chunk yards plays throughout a series or throughout a drive or throughout a ball game. And the Falcons were able to do it in the rain and knowing they were going to throw the football. So you got to give a lot of credit, like we mentioned earlier, to Dirk Carter. You got to give a lot of credit to this offensive line for being able to hold up. And then you got to give credit to the guys catching the rocket, Matt putting it in position for these guys to, to throw it. I, I know Matt had the interception, but there are so many times throughout a ball game where he may have pressure in his face. He's letting that football go on time to a spot because he believes and trusts that his receiver is going to be there. So when I look at this ball game, the amount of explosive plays is just remarkable. And the fact that they're able to get this done is pretty cool to watch. Yeah, DJ, first play of the game, 24 yards to Julio. Second play of the game, 28 yards to Julio. Third play of the game, 11 yards to Hurst. And just <laughs> yeah. like that, snap your finger, Atlanta's already on the 12-yard line. Yep. And so you talk about setting the tone offensively. I think it's a great point that you've made, and we talked about it throughout the course of this podcast, is, is really, just like Foyer said, I had to shoot my gun, right? Like, that's exactly <laughs> what Atlanta did to start the game off, is they shot their gun, they get down. And I'm sure Carolina's sitting on their heels three plays into the game saying, wait, what just happened here, y'all? Like, we're yeah. they're already on our doorstep of scoring. And, and the Atlanta defense, or excuse me, the Atlanta offense just came to play in the game last night, which was huge for them. All right, guys, let's have, let's have a little bit of fun as we close this podcast out because I think that, um, you know, when you're in a down season like it's been for Atlanta and we've had to come on and we try to be as positive as possible with this podcast and try to make, take things, spin it forward, how is it going to make a difference for the rest of the season, we don't get a chance to really have some fun. But credit to the digital media department for the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers for that matter – They've been having some fun with each other over the last couple of years on social media, on Twitter, and the victory for Atlanta last night just happened to give their our digital media team a chance to have a little bit of fun back at Carolina, and I'm sure you're going to get a chance to see some of them. But, Dave, what would you make of some of the pregame <laughs> videos, postgame videos that were cut up, National Cat Day, a uh, little jab back at the Carolina Panthers and, and them having a little bit of fun on Twitter after the victory. Yeah, this is, this is the, we're in that era, right? I mean, where you can, where the fans can be a little more interactive and, and, uh, and certainly the clubs can have a little bit more fun with it. And you hope that most teams don't take offense. This is all in fun, all in a uh, part of the rivalry. Uh, I got asked this week about the rivalry. Do, does the Atlanta fans, does Atlanta consider Carolina a rival? And I kind of chuckled a little bit and I said, well, you know, we have the saints. And so that's one that's always going to stick out. I said, yeah, I guess they would consider Carolina rival, but usually when you're a rival, you have to win some of the games. And so I threw a little fun at them too, just a little verbal jab. I think now after the victory last night by Atlanta, Atlanta's like 29 to in 13 or 28 and 13 or something like that in the series, 28 and 14. So you have to win a few uh, but it was it's fun. I think it's all in fun. And uh, hopefully people keep it in that perspective. I know, I know we have a few people out there that are a little bit over the top from a fan standpoint that you get way too caught up in it. But let's make sure we keep it in the proper perspective. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think both sides had fun with it. And ultimately, Atlanta has the last laugh.
DJ, I kind of got a kick out of the uh, the <laughs> one that the, the Falcons ended up putting out in the fourth quarter where it said, uh, can we skip to the end just because yeah. the Atlanta fans and, and the people in the organization <laughs> have been yeah. through some uh, some pretty rough fourth quarters. Like, um, can we just get to the end and find the result of this game? Yeah, that's the one that I, I would say is my favorite for sure. I, I, when you look at it, of course, everybody's going to talk about the Falcon season and what has happened, what's transpired in the fourth quarter, giving up all the – uh, you know, the loss at the end of the ball game, but then you get a chance to kind of have fun with yourself, but also at the expense of a division rival. So the skip to the end is definitely one of my favorite. I love the National Cat Day as well with the with the score at the end of it. So uh, kind of kind of fun to be in this era where you can have those kind of fun and people not really uh, be so serious about it and uh, and have a good time with it. So shout out our staff, man. It's it's good. I, I love the fact that we're you know, not just taking the brunt of, uh, of all the, the fun. We're actually giving some and shooting it out. Yeah, it uh, is definitely uh, fun to have some positivity because, look, we all need some positivity in this 2020. Like, I can't even join you guys on video and you can't <laughs> see my face. You get to see, you get to see this dressed-up <laughs> costume face of me sporting my old man look with my Georgia Bulldogs <laughs> gear on. But, hey, we'll have a little bit of fun with it. Um, that's all good. All right, so Falcons get the victory against the uh, Carolina Panthers. They'll get a little extra time as they just came off the short week. They got a, they're got they going to take on the 2-4 and four Denver Broncos next weekend in Atlanta. That will be November 8th already, so they got about 9 or 10 days to rest, recover, and get prepared for that one. Hey, uh, before we go, DJ and Dave, I just wanted to wish y'all a happy Halloween. I hope you guys have a great day, and I hope you guys dress up as something fun, maybe a little bit better than my old man get up. <laughs> Shock, what are you dressing up as? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know, man. I, I I got a couple costumes at the house that uh, maybe uh, my wife will let me rock and, and wear, but uh, we'll gonna, see what happens, man. I don't know, man. How, how about you, man? No behind the curtain stuff. You think less behind the curtain? Let us know. Nah, nah. Maybe maybe I'll just tweet <laughs> it out so everybody can see it if that that happens. How about you, Archer? I think I'm gonna yeah. drop. I'm gonna drop the Michael Myers on him this week. I'm gonna revisit the classic Halloween. I've got a Halloween mask, a oh, Mike wow. Myers Halloween mask. Yeah, I'm gonna drop the full full fright on the kids. I assume the kids are coming up the hill. They got to come all the way up the hill up here in our house. So if they come up here, you got to give them a give them a good scare, a little Mike Myers. It's messed up, Arch. Just to go scare <laughs> Make the kids. it worth their up. trip, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Nightmares is Arch. Hey, that's, that's some great stuff. So, fellas, I appreciate y'all joining me. Good to see you, or from my perspective, hear you guys twice in one week. <laughs> um, and we'll be back at our normal time following the Falcons game against the Denver Broncos. Uh, DJ, uh, Arch, I appreciate it. Good to see you guys, kind of, you know, in air quotes. <laughs> Y'all have a great Halloween weekend. <laughs> Same to you, Rap, uh, man. Oh, man that's, I appreciate it, man. That's going to wrap everything up here for the Falcons Audible presented by AT&T. Falcons get their second victory of the season. We'll be back to chat with you once again after they face the Denver Broncos. See you, everybody. Have a great day. You're listening to Falcons Audible presented by AT&T.